0: Open the door to the most powerful room in housing. Built for mortgage executives, real estate leaders, and the rising stars that drive innovation and progress, The Gathering will feature over 45 powerful speakers on stage in Scottsdale, Arizona from April 21st to 24th. Learn more and register now at housingwirethegathering.com. Welcome, everyone. Today, my guest is lead analyst Logan Modershami to talk about the jobs report, mortgage rates, and the failure of Silicon Valley Bank. First, here's a word from our sponsor. Hi, this is Diego Sanchez, COO of HW Media, and I'm joined today by Alex Elazai, Chief Strategy Officer at United Wholesale Mortgage. Thanks for joining us today, Alex.
1: Hey, Diego. Thanks for having me. Good to be here. Most forecasters are seeing rates in the fives and the sixes for 2023
0: and 2024, which means we will be in a purchase market for the foreseeable future. Is this good for the broker channel?
1: Yeah, it's great for the broker channel. You know, just assume a rate's at 6%, right? We have temporary buy-down products, just as an example, where you can buy down that product where the first year, you're going to pay 4%, second year, you're going to pay 5%, and the third year and beyond, you'll pay the 6%. And by that time, hopefully, you'll probably be be in a position where you can refi that loan uh, so really, there's just so much opportunity. To me, the way that we think about it, Diego, is like, you're dating the rate, but you're buying the house, right? So you want to go out there. If you see the house that you like, you see the property you like, you you buy it, right? And you worry about getting that lower rate maybe in a you know back half of the year uh, or even next year. But again, it's just going to be a short-term thing the way that we think about it. And still, relatively speaking, we're not talking about massive interest rates, right? I mean, the, the days of the twos and the threes that we were experiencing in, in 2021, that was somewhat of an anomaly. So we expect them to come down a little bit and all the forecasters and economic indicators are pointing that fashion. But right now, I think we're in a good spot and brokers are continuing to win. And you can see it in our broker share and everything that we're doing. We're just having an outstanding start to the year. Alex, thanks so much for joining us today and sharing your insights. Thank you. It's good to spend time with you.
0: Logan, welcome back to the podcast on this momentous day.
2: It is a very, very crazy Friday morning. And when this podcast comes out on Monday, we don't know what the Monday morning news will be. But yes, crazy day, crazy week altogether.
0: We knew we were going to have a crazy week. We had a lot of economic data coming out. And we knew today, especially, we were going to have the jobs data. But I think that the wild card there was Silicon Valley Bank. Walk us through that or, or give us your your 10,000 foot view on that.
2: So my first thought always is that president of the san francisco fed mary daly this is a bank in your district and you're kind of just hey we're gonna hike rates we're gonna hike rates we're gonna hike we're not breaking anything that is a bank in your neighborhood that went into receivership and with the commercial loans that are out there and potential risks to some other banks I think the Federal Reserve needs to just look at themselves in the mirror and think, what was our original game plan? What do we talk about stress? And if something like this pops up more and more, what are we going to do about it? Because if it is just putting your head down and go, well, we don't want 1970s entrenched inflation, and I'm saying 1970s because this is what they use, Um Hopefully that was a wake up call cuz I remember last year you know when we talked about that the UK's pension system almost went under right pretty big deal the bank of japan was you know doing interventions the IMF was telling the world hey listen uh stop raising rates sometimes when the dollar gets too strong things bad things happen when it gets super strong more chaos happens so the dollar's been getting stronger lately the, the, Fed funds rate was being pushed to neutral rate. And then within 24 or 48 hours, we have a bank go under. Uh, So just hopefully just a wake up call, you know, land the plane, don't crash it, land it, right? You had your original plan, while some might think it was was aggressive, your original plan was to follow three, six, 12 month core PCE. Because in in reality, for anybody who follows the Fed, you don't believe in the 70s inflation, neither does the bond market. So stop acting like it is. Okay? It's 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 you 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 have to endure and not overplay the hand. So hopefully after this weekend, there's a little bit of more common sense now that not everything can be or not everything can go smoothly. When you front load massive rate hikes into a system that has not seen it, not only here, but around the world in a very long time. So just a little bit more mindful going out in the future. Appreciate that. Of course,
0: we're seeing a ton of people you know, chiming in like, oh, this is 2008 all over again. We're about to see bank runs on all these uh, different regional um, uh, banks. Different, But I do think that Silicon Valley Bank was a very specific case. Is that your feeling as well?
2: The capital leverage ratio laws that were changed right before the crisis—that you know, like Bear Stearns took on, where you could be leveraged forty to one—and now you know from ten to one. The, the, those things aren't aren't here. But regional banks and what we have to look out is commercial loans going out in the future and how much losses are marked. I mean, I, I don't want to get too technical, but uh you know h- how much losses can you actually put on the books and it just you're you're it is so frustrating you are playing with fire that you don't need to you are almost done and i mean there's just i mean there's a part of me that just sits there and thinks i hope president mary daly can just go into the bank and say oops maybe i missed this one that was in your corner of your neighborhood that happened right underneath your watch. And uh the first thing I tweeted last night when all this was going or yesterday was that uh a San Francisco Fed has got some work to do. Right. So uh it's it is it is so frustrating as somebody who's not a Fed pivot person because I thought that was their original plan was fine if you wanted to stick to it. But now they're doing the things that people have always said about the Federal Reserve. And what is it, Sarah Wheeler?
0: yeah old and slow
2: they are old and they are slow and right in front of them boom you lost one of your banks so uh recheck talk to all your banks figure out what losses are going to come and then f- look forward especially on the commercial loan side of the equation and uh if there's any other possible run run on the banks in the future that are smaller regionals but uh i, I think it was i think i if if this if this didn't wake up the Federal Reserve to be a little bit more mindful and not so arrogant, then I don't know I don't know what will. So I think the the long end of the bond market has been saying this story for some time um, and hopefully this is a, a good learning lesson uh, uh, for the Federal Reserve.
0: Well, let's go on to jobs because it is Jobs Friday and it's Jobs Friday even a week late because, you know, we're in, it's March 10th. So tell us what we found and whether you were surprised or what this, uh, how you felt about this jobs report.
2: So I know a lot of people, at least what I saw on the internet, said, well, the job numbers are going to come, come in bad seasonality. And a lot of smart people actually took this stance. I'm going to, I'm just going to leave this. Talking point here for everyone to 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 uh, remember because it's a talking point of mine is going back to the COVID nineteen recovery, um, and in the article that that came out on Friday, you, you see it. We are still in makeup mode, right? And the reason why the job numbers are still really good is unlike two thousand ten to two thousand sixteen, where we had a very Weak recovery and population growth for prime age labor force peaked in 2007, declined, and then was slowly working itself back. We don't have that here. So the civilian labor force before this jobs report was about 166 million. If you take February of 2020 data, we had over 152 million jobs. We created 200,000 on average. If that just goes in without a COVID-19 delay, You're at 158 to 159 million jobs. That's where we should be. So some of the sectors are not, you know, they they need labor because the demand never really broke. Um, So this is why I've always said job openings, 10 million early in the recovery, right? We're going to get all the jobs we recovered back. By September of 2022. And now it's a makeup mode. Now it's really, you know, what areas of demand that gets hit? Now we saw jobs being lost in transportation and in the uh uh technology and information industry, those are places that we've seen the uh layoffs being being called upon. But but just remember going out that we're still in makeup mode, and eventually in time, we're gonna go back to our slow job growth because population growth is slowing, but we're not anywhere. Near where we could have been if there was no COVID. So, so if people want to, if people are surprised how many jobs we created last year and so far the prints this year, think of the jobs numbers like this. And until jobless claims rise or job opens noticeably fall down, the growth rate is slowing down. I think the, the the bond market just reacted right away because wage growth is is the month to month data was cooling down. The labor force picked up. So, how did the unemployment rate jump up? with jobs being created, labor force picks up, right? Prime age labor force growth uh, picked up noticeably. We're we're back to pre-pandemic highs. So the difference with the United States of America is that... And by the way, all the trolling Twitter accounts that say we're Japan, we are not Japan. Anybody that could read the census data correctly would know this. So anybody that says we're Japan cannot read. Simply, Second grade education, visually see. We have a massive young workforce that replace people, right? Germany doesn't have it. Europe doesn't have it. China doesn't have it. Japan doesn't have it. So we have a little bit better replacement buyers. This is why I I talk about um, years 2020 to 2024, I have replacement buyers, replacement consumers. So uh, if the trend of job openings goes, job, you know, in this case, the COVID-19 was going to create that gap it looks, it looks, it looks normal. So if people are confused because you have people running around the internet and some wall street analyst who says, Oh, the demographics of America are terrible. No, they're not. No, they're not. This is our American muscle. This was always a, we own the world here, right? Because of this, because we have young workers now over time, baby boomers will all move out, they'll get replaced. And then, you know, uh, Gen Z has to step up at that point. Um, but If you look at it in that context, the job growth numbers look relatively where they should be. It's just there's going to be a time where demand gets hit enough to slow that process down to that 158 to 159 million. But hopefully that explanation and the charts that I put into the article explains why I was the only person on planet Earth that talked about job openings getting to 10 million. Hate the job openings data all you want. I know there's a lot of people who hate it, but it happened, right? And the job growth is still in makeup mode. It happened twice. Now, over the last COVID-19 recovery, I just want to see anybody else who talked about this early on and now the second-tier recovery model because people are starting to use birth-death models and all this stuff. No, just keep it simple. Take the pre-trend and go with it because we are not Japan. We are not Germany. We are not, you know... China, where their population growth prime age peaked, we are the United States of America. It's different here.
0: It is different here. It's it's confusing because we had this positive jobs report, but bond yields really aren't acting like you would, exp- not you would, but like most people would expect them to do in light of that. Now we do have some other things going on, but even last, you know, even Thursday night, you and I were having a conversation about how you thought mortgage rates would react. So walk us through that. Why are those two things in conflict?
2: I am so sympathetic to my crazy bearish market friends who are just, oh, the 10-year yield's going to go to 5% and the Fed funds rate, the short-term rates are pricing in a higher Fed funds rate for longer. I, I totally get that. If this was the 1970s, you could have a case.
0: So you're not actually sympathetic. Let's just I, make listen, sure uh, you
2: are not it, it, sympathetic. I'm an agent of chaos, Sarah. And, and all agents of chaos want war because this is where we perform the best. This is why I want live debates with people because you don't want to take people out in darkness. You want to take them out in front of everyone. Uh, in any case, the 10-year yield, for those that follow the tracker, right? we, cre- we created those black lines for a reason. Down there, the Gandalf. You shall not pass. We tried to break below that. We did three or four times, you know, intraday and and it reversed, right? Because bond trading or money or quants, whatever we want to think about it, uh, if something doesn't break, they're gonna go the other way. Here is the other case. We're we've sitting here two weeks, we haven't been able to break above this level. And we had hawkish fed, take back fed, job openings data solid, nothing great, but you know, slowing down. And then we had a big jobs report. And immediately, that range uh, reversed. Now, I would also say there was a lot of people short the bond market, which means they were betting on bond yields going up. Again, I'm sympathetic to that view. I understand. But why why are middle-aged stock traders always thinking that homeowners are going to rush to sell their homes? Because they are on leverage, right? And they're fragile. So when things don't go their way, they immediately cut and run. American homeowners do not operate that way, right? So th- th- this world that's clashing with each other is just different. So you could see what happened. People that were short the bond market just gave up and then it's reversed quickly. So we're just, again, in that range. We talked about in the 2023 forecast, what we talked about every single week now on the tracker and we're just going to take it from there and see see what happens with the economic data and if you look at it in that context and if you read the 2023 forecast it looks perfectly normal right in that context so um we didn't test 4 and a quarter of the high level um we didn't test 7 and a quarter percent on mortgage rates i think we got to 409 on the 10 year and it was 710 on the uh, 7.10, 7.10 on the mortgage rate but Rates fell back down again, were uh, well under seven, and the ten-year yield reversed. And just think of it as bond market channels, and that's it. And hopefully, people can understand that the long end of the bond market does not agree with the short end, and they haven't for some time now. So the inverted yield curve is so inverted. In fact, the three three-month ten-year inversion could get 150 basis points. Uh, uh, it, it inverted, which historically is crazy, you know? So there's just this war going between the long and short end. It's like one of these Netflix married at first sight shows, you get married and you're just like, you're now spending your first day with your wife or husband and you realize oh, this is not working. Right. So the short and the bond end are just, they're hashing it out. And, and uh, for now, I mean, even the short end of the bond, I mean, the two year yield just collapsed. And I think that's more due to the banking situation. So the question now going forward, do we, have we now added a new variable into the equation? Do we talk about this in the weekly tracker where, boy, now we have to worry about is the banking system is solid as it is. And will this change the fed? Cause the, the kind of running joke is the fed, the Fed will hike rates until something breaks. Well, something broke and Mary Daly, the president of the San Francisco fed that's in your neighborhood. And uh, I just, again, for me, it's like the Fed had a plan, they told everybody the plan, everyone went with it, and then all of a sudden they're starting to change things and the market does not know what to make of it and we've already lost one bank because of market stress.
0: So I I try to do this every time we talk because a lot of our audience, they're out there, they're trying to make their business work um, in this environment and the bottom line for them is like, where are mortgage rates going? Where are they right now? Where are they going? And I mean, this has even changed significantly since the last time you and I talked.
2: Yes, and but I w- I would argue that the 2023 forecast and the weekly tracker has correctly talked about this range and the inflection points um have now bounced off each other twice. So we're just we're in their same range. Now again, if the labor market was breaking, now jobless claims did rise noticeably this week, but some of that I think is seasonality of uh school teachers, but if that starts to pick up, right? you got a different story then. We're not there yet. That's why I'm not a Fed pivot person. When jobless claims starts to really noticeably break the bond market, who already does not agree with the Federal Reserve, it's going to go the other way. And they're going to go, honey, you either are coming with me on this vacation or I'm leaving you behind. Okay. So uh, we're not at that point. Job openings are still high. Claims are still low. But again, rate a change and uh, we'll take it one week at a time. That's why we created the tracker, Right. I encourage everyone go read the 2023 forecast and look at the tracker. These ranges are here and they bounced off each other, and it's crazy. Uh, trust me, it is crazy to to try to channel bond markets. But you know, I would argue, take my work in the previous expansion during COVID, making adjustments. Of course, 2022 was different. Everything flipped and turned around the world with uh, the Federal Reserve and, and other things. But so far this year looks about right. So we want to we want to add new variables into the equation if we see that and we do have one uh concerned about the banking system now uh, uh other regional banks uh if this occur if this happens. So we'll see uh how the, we'll take it one week at a time again. This is Friday that we're talking. Monday we might have a totally different story out there but um yeah, that it's 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 it was a crazy week. I know a lot of people thought mortgage rates had to blow up higher and the 10-year yield was going to blow up. I, I, I'm sympathetic to that view, but uh, there's a fight between the long end and the short end. And eventually over time, the long end wins always.
0: Spoiler alert, you are not sympathetic to that view in any way. Remind us again, what is the range for mortgage rates um, that that was in your 2023 forecast?
2: So assuming the spreads are very wide, 3 and a quarter 3 excuse me 3.21% on the downside and 4 and a quarter on the upside uh and then we but have for that the mortgage wide, rates for for the 10 year yield that's a 10 year okay. I work on 10 year yields first so on mortgage rates 5.75% to 7 and a quarter is that range if the spreads were better you can possibly get down to 5 and a quarter in that in that kind of environment we're not there yet but if the 10 if the jobless claims data starts to notice we get worse we can break below Three point two one get below three percent, and if the spreads get better. We are below five percent. We have a four handle on the mor- on mortgage rates. But uh, it's interesting that a few weeks ago, Neil Kashkari talked about the Minnesota uh, Federal Reserve member, and he said mortgage rates being down, people buying home. That's not good. That makes our job harder. So we're we're dealing with a Fed that. I, I, I mean, part of me just says they're just talking. I mean, we we talk about this all the time. They're just they're just talking tough. But what if I'm wrong? What if they really do believe they're in the 70s? I mean that that's that's crazy. I mean that's just I mean the core PCE would be taking off, rent inflation would be taken off. These things are all falling, which is common with uh, global pandemic. So again, we'll see. But uh, I think a, a good wake up call. For the Federal Reserve, and I'm uh, um, I'm I'm curious to see what President Mary Daly says the San Francisco Fed after she lost one of her biggest banks in her neighborhood, uh, right underneath her watch.
0: Huge deal, I mean, huge deal. And um, you know, people people are worried, and people are worried about what that means for um, a lot of companies who you know ran their payroll through there, or you know, that, that's that's their bank. And and there, these are some of the companies that we all rely on. So it's interesting.
2: When you front-load rate hikes and the bond market acts crazy, things happen. Um, we saw that last year with with the UK, with the Bank of Japan, with the IMF. The dollar is getting too strong. Dollar calmed down. Dollar started to get stronger. We talked about the last podcast, and uh, uh, just hopefully, again, we want to land the plane, not crash it.
0: So you know, a big part of the tracker is the mortgage rates because. Obviously, that's, you know, that housing is most sensitive to mortgage rates, even if you don't believe in the mortgage rate lockdown theory. We do know that business, if you're in business of mortgage and real estate, rates are, are hugely important, right? So that's one part of it. The other part is inventory. And you always get the Altos research data uh, in on the weekend before it's published. So tell us what, what you're thinking, because we keep waiting for like, when is that going to break out for spring?
2: When we start to get lower and lower numbers of inventory uh, um, falling, we'll, we'll get the eventual seasonal um, increase. But as we can see, new listings data uh, lowest ever. You know, uh, I, so I've I, I had a very, I had a very fun week on Twitter where people are talking about always these mass inventory spikes, and I said, "Listen, guys, I held my ground on COVID. I held my ground on forbearance." I held my ground on 7% mortgage rates and the biggest collapse in sales and the new listings data this, the last week before, um, was the lowest levels ever. So you have to, you have to uh, like humor me why I should listen to any of you. Okay. Because you, you had everything you wanted. You had a global pandemic, you had forbearance and you had the biggest crash in sales and we had the lowest new listings print ever recorded in history. So why why would I listen to a group of people that have talked about for eleven years of the inventory spike? Because you're not housing people, you're never housing people, <laughs> and I could tell this by the way you talk. And there's a reason why you're not housing because none of you forecast anything. And when you don't forecast anything, you just make stuff up for attention. And that's what's always this is this is my thing. My I I I want to challenge every human being on planet Earth. On housing economic discussion, but I need you to come on camera so I can show your family members, your coworkers, your neighbors, how much of a housing expert you are because you want don't forecast anything. And when you don't forecast, you don't hold yourself accountable for wrong take. So we're sitting here. Seasonal inventory is bottoming out later. We've talked about that. We've written about that. Why? But why is new listing? So I think the big thing I talked about on Twitter this week is inventory investor demand has collapsed year over year. So under that, that was the big premise that as soon as investors collapse, they're all going to run to the hills, or everyone's going to list their homes. And I said, that's kind of not how housing works unless you're unless you're leveraged up stock traders. And <clears throat> flippers typically don't hold their properties for very long. So when rates ro- rose, like we saw in 2018, their demand f- fell down, which means they have less property to flip. So you're thinking that flippers were buying all these homes for 10 years, and then all of a sudden, they were all going to run to the market and sell. No, they don't hold product for a very long time. Their job is to buy something cheap, fix it up, and flip it as soon as you can. They're not long-term holders. So uh, that, I think, was the confusion because, again, on Twitter, I could take on stock traders on this. And that was the premise that. Uh, or the vacant homes. The vacant homes is the other one. Like we've had millions of vacant homes for years, and everybody keeps on saying, "You know, if if just ten percent of these homes come to the market, that's like six million homes." I'm like, oh god. Just look at how inventory channels have worked for four decades. Work off of that. Make a hypothetical theory based on that. Not this rich people with two to three homes are so broke that they're going to rush to the market and. And it's it's so tiring. It's just like, why? Why are you like this? And Sarah Wheeler, we've always said, some people always like to ice skate uphill. <laughs> it's it's they, true. They, it's they true. Are, they are born into bondage this way and they've lived their lives always this way, and they will die this way. And in the afterlife, they will walk the world with no ears, no eyes, no tongue, screaming about the Fed's balance sheet and how living on planet Earth after 1913 was so detrimental to them that I will do what I can to create a time machine. And when I do, I will send you all back to the 1800s and you could enjoy a century without the Federal Reserve as being part of the process. And you will live in peace, even though you couldn't last 10 minutes in the 1800s. Life was so much tougher back then than it is now.
0: Yes. Okay. Well, speaking of vacant homes, so you and I were at a conference in New England where we met a gentleman who said that this was going to, you know, he he was talking to us and he was like, "This is what's going to uh, change the housing market is all these vacant homes that are, especially." He wasn't talking about investor homes or people who have two or three homes. He was talking about the stock of homes that are um, vacant because you know they're just like they're they're not very good homes. It's like. Those homes, I mean, they a lot of them are vacant for a reason. They would not pass down that you can't fix them up from where they are. Where is the they're in the middle of nowhere, they're not, you know, they're not connected to anything. And we were both like, I don't think that's I don't think that's what you think of uh, it
2: It's it's we've had millions and millions of vacant homes for years. And I, I the simple answer is your hypothetical theories don't work because they're not active listings. So you have to create a model. That says why all of a sudden will all these vacant homes be ready to sell as a primary resident property, and are these areas that people want to move in? So, and some of them are in such legal limbo they can't even do it if they even if they wanted to. So, uh, it, it is what it is. I've I've dealt I've dealt with this this clan for over 10 years and they just won't quit. And uh, other people have caught on to this act. That's why I challenge people to live debates. Sarah, we've only got one person to take me on live. I do this all the time. I'm on Twitter. Twitter is the pit of hell, challenging people to live debates all the time. I did it like seven times this last week. I said, just come on and let's go at it. And no, 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 I <laughs> right? don't want to because I don't know what I'm talking about. And if I did, then my YouTube site might be look fraudulent. Come on. so
0: I, I do think that the idea of active listings is one of those things that people don't until they, until it clicks in their mind, they're like, there's all these homes. It's like, yes, but these are not homes that are available to buy. It's,
2: it's, it's not even the act, the, like the, the, uh, vacant homes. It's the homes, total homes under, you know, uh, total homes per capita. That's the fa- that's the favorite trolling chart. That's where there's no shortage of homes. Look at the homes are rising. There's 144 million uh, housing units out there, and and I saw it again this week. It's it's funny. It, it's a, it's a clan. It's it's a it's a 10 11 year clan, and these are all anti central bank people. And I I want them all live on camera, but they keep on showing this chart. And they keep on telling, oh my god, we're going to have housing bubble supply because of this number, and the exact opposite has happened in the last 10 years in the biggest fashion ever recorded in history so i i'm just assuming they don't believe this because no one's this bad they're just trolling but what if i'm wrong what if they are this crazy what if they can't read what if i my whole life i've just assumed these people were just trolling people all the they, they don't believe this but i could be wrong they can be this bad but if you come on housing wire on a face-to-face live debate with me, and then I could take all your forecasts, which you've never done, look at all your models, which you don't have, then we can show the people of this country the light, would take the trolls out of the darkness and bring them into the light.
0: Yes, we could. Yes, we could. So listen, anybody out there who wants to take on that challenge, let me know. Sarah at hwmedia.com or logan at hwmedia.com, we will get you set up. We have not had any takers on that. Um,
2: because nobody forecasts. And these people hide behind <laughs> fake names and their their YouTube sites are terrible. But if you get them in a live debate, you've structurally forced them to become men that's what we want to do. We want to make American man tough again. I never have to worry about women. Women are so much tougher than guys. Like the women are just awesome. They're just, they, they, they don't waste their lives like, oh, the f- okay, we got some crazy ones, but still, but still, this is now COVID forbearance and the biggest collapse in sales and 7% mortgage rates and new listings data is at the lowest levels ever last week. So something is went wrong here. I know what it is. The question is, do you finally admit to people that I'm just making stuff up because I don't have a life and I just run around the internet and I just troll out and I want people to listen to my YouTubes. And uh, again, let's go. I'm here all day, 24 seven. We're ready to play ball.
0: Okay. Well, instead of listening to those people on Twitter, I encourage our listeners, many of whom already check out the housing market tracker on HousingWire. That comes out every Monday and it goes over purchase apps, inventory, uh, 10-year yield, and mortgage rates. Really interesting. And this week will be even more interesting because of some of the things happening right now. Logan, thank you so much for being on and we'll talk to you again soon. Success might look different this year, but it's out there for those willing to work for it. That's why 2023's Gathering of Eagles will focus on forging opportunities, the perfect chance for industry leaders to take a proactive approach to continually move the needle in their businesses and the real estate industry at large. Gathering of Eagles will bring together the nation's top residential real estate CEOs, presidents, and C-level leadership teams to grow, network, and set the pace for what's next in our industry. 2023's GOE is at Omni Barton Creek Resort in the Rolling Hill Country of Austin, Texas from June 18th until the 21st. Learn more and register your spot on the events page at Realtrends.com, and we can't wait to see you in Austin. Thanks for listening to Housing Wire Daily. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to take a minute to rate the show and leave a comment. And make sure to tune in tomorrow for more news and insight.